Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw. Today, I'm joined by my good buddy, Ariel Pacheco, to discuss Emmanuel Quickly. Were his playoffs a point of concern or not really something to be worried about? Will he sign his extension before the start of the season? And how will his role shift with the addition of Dante DiVincenzo? All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day because we are now available on all platforms that includes on YouTube. So if you want to become an everydayer, be sure to uh, subscribe and hit that notifications bell so you never miss an episode. And um, if you want to take our relationship to the next level, if you're a little bit weird, um, and, 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 and you, you want the thing to go a little bit further, uh, be sure to hit uh, the link in the episode description for our subtext. Uh, that means we will send you uh, daily updates with all of our thoughts on the New York Knicks, and you can respond and ask us questions and send your thoughts, and we'll respond to that. But who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And I am joined by Ariel Pacheco, uh, just, a, just a joy of a human being, uh, one of my favorite people to have on this podcast. I'm smiling ear to ear. Uh, the whole time talking to him. And uh, we were talking about the most joyful player on the Knicks, maybe maybe the most joyful player in the NBA, Emmanuel Quickly, uh, getting into his past, present, future on the Knicks right now on Locked on Knicks. All right, as promised, I am lucky enough to be joined by my buddy, man. It's, it's, it's good to see you. It means basketball is right around the corner. Ariel Pacheco, the great Ariel Pacheco, joins us, uh, co-king with Benji Ridholtz of the Knicks. Uh <laughs> clip breakdowns I, I i find a different way to to say that and, and fudge it every time but ario the point is it's really good to be talking to you man How, how's it going it's, it's going good I'm, I'm excited for the season to kick back off again it's, it's been a long summer um so i'm excited to just for basketball to be on every night again for well, the nba at least and, and i think we're, we're both in agreement one, one of the guys we are most excited to have back in our lives is is the embodiment of human joy that is Emmanuel quickly. Like I, I just, I, I find myself just searching for highlights every few days. I got, I got to scratch that itch. Like that guy um, is, it just seems like he's living his best life. And, and, and every time I'm watching him, I, I feel the same. So, so this is someone who, who spent the summer getting disrespected in, in a horde of NBA rankings. I remember like, I'll, I, I'm not to shout this guy out in particular, because I, I think he does really good work overall, but Seth part now, had him somewhere like the like 110th best player in the NBA, but all of his metrics, which were which were minutes per win, uh, estimated plus minus, regular, uh, I can't even read his metrics, so maybe I shouldn't be criticizing him. Regularized, adjusted plus minus, and production value estimate. They all had 31, 15, 62, 31. His Raptor was 34th in the NBA last year. His VORP was 55th. Um, he, his net rating was 25th in the entire NBA. The Knicks were 12 points better defensively when he was on the floor last season. That was 99th percentile amongst all guards in the NBA. I say all that to say, Ariel, like, are, are people underestimating Emmanuel quickly after a bad playoffs? Because there's just a horde of numbers out there that paint him as a top 50, if not like a top 40 or so guy in the league. That might be just a drop rich for me. But I also think there's a disconnect where people in, in general, specifically people who aren't Knicks fans, have him a lot lower than that. Yeah, he, he feels like the kind of guy where if you're not watching at least closely or, or enough or frequently enough that you may kind of miss miss what he's doing. Um, a lot of a lot of his value comes like in the margins of like doing all the little things and cleaning up mistakes on defense. Um, but you, you mentioned the impact stats. He's like an impact stat darling. They, the numbers love him. Um, and, and even despite the... Um, the poor play in the postseason, I'm still really high on him. It, it doesn't really sway my 
my feelings about him as a player at all. Um, I think that in the grand scheme of things, I, I think this season, I think this course in the NBA is usually like a season behind. Um, and I think this season coming up, people will start to realize that he's arguably probably the best backup guard in the league. Well, point guard, let's say that. He's one of the better backup guards for sure. Um, so I, I just think that this season's going to be kind of a, a kind of a coming out party for him in a sense, for, for the national media at least, because I think we saw him really pull it all together last year. I was going to get to it a little later, but let's talk about the playoffs. Zach Lowe in um, in a really good piece today. Um, he wrote his five most interesting players for this upcoming season. He had Emmanuel quickly as one of them. And he, and he said a whole bunch of good things about him. Um, but then at the end, he, he talked about um, his playoff struggles. And he says quickly has struggled in the playoffs. Quickly shot just 33% across 13 career playoff games. His floater was on last season, but his three-pointer deserted him. Quickly hit just one for 11 on pull-up triples and nine for 37 overall. It was probably random noise, but the postseason trends have to shift soon for both quickly and Julius Randle and he went on to note that he felt both the Cavs and Heat um, hunted him on some possessions in the postseason so I, I thought that was interesting because I've never really as particularly because quickly was just a rookie his first postseason I've never really correlated like quickly with Julius Randle in my mind I'm just kind of like all right it was just it was just six games it was against obviously great competition the Knicks were and we'll get into it particularly when he played with Jalen Brunson the Knicks were still awesome when he was on the floor despite the fact that his shooting sucked did that? I, I know. I know. It's you, you said it didn't really shake you from your overall opinion. Um, I I think that's that's one of the big things I'm watching for this year. I, I'm going to maybe jinx myself and say when the Knicks are in the playoffs. Like, is there any concern that any of that could translate? Is there any part of his game that you think is like, all right, this is really good in the regular season? I'm not quite sure how it translates to the playoffs yet. Yeah, yeah, and I think one of the things that he has to improve on, which was kind of shaky in the playoffs, is just like the consistency when it comes to creating on the ball. Um, I think off the ball, he still brings that value. Teams are going to close out to him. Teams are going to respect him as a shooter. And even even when he's struggling to shoot like he has in the postseason, I, I never quite, you know, made that correlation with like Julius and quickly in terms of struggles, just because like you as well, I kind of like brushed off like rookie struggles, you know, and that entire team was just bad during that Hawks series. I kind of toss it out the window <laughs> in totality. So, um, but yeah, like, I, I think it's fair to have concerns. I, I don't think that people who, who are like, eh, it's a little, you know, I, I think it's fair. Um, I just, I just think that like, he's, he finds way to impact the game, even when he's not scoring. I, I think that he's kind of like, especially last season, you know, I think he had that one really rough first game against the Cavs. And then, you know, like tips kind of um, removed like all the ball handling duties he had. And then he kind of just became like a spot up guy. I think that kind of, you know, you know, I think he started to bounce back and then he got hurt. So I, I'm not completely out on it quickly when it comes to the playoffs. I'm not even like if I had to put my my concern level from like one to ten, probably like out of three, you know, um, the numbers are definitely ugly. Um, but I, I'm there's nothing there where I'm just like the it's not like on a Julius level where it's like, OK, this is like kind of like I'm, I'm really concerned, you know, it, it reminded me um, of um, the early portion of of his season last year where where he really he really struggled and there were there were moments where it was like oh was his was his rookie year just a mirage is he, is he just not that guy was it was it just hot shooting for two or three months that, that kind of got us all excited I'll, i don't even want to say this name but a la kevin knox and, and and then he he righted the ship but i thought in the playoffs it was similar in the sense of like he just seemed very much to not understand his role, I think is the simplest way I could put it early in the year. And, and he was like, all right, do I attack here? Do I not attack here? Like, especially when I'm out there with Jalen Brunson, like, am I just a shooter? Am I a secondary creator? And it felt like this thing where, where he had to acclimate, he had to refine his swagger. And once he did, he was awesome and in the playoffs. It, it just didn't, to your point, it, it felt like because of how quickly he got hurt 
and and the fact that Tibbs like reduced his responsibilities, like he didn't really have a long enough leash to get that done. Um, and and I, I think unfortunately for him, maybe fortunately for the Knicks, um, those playoff struggles, I, I think are maybe the reason he still hasn't signed his contract extension. I think if he had gone into the playoffs and basically did what he did in the regular season, like he would be on the books for, I don't know, like a four year, $110 million contract right now. Like maybe, maybe even a little higher. Like it sounds crazy to say like he, he would be the highest paid guy on the team, but with the way the cap is going and, and with again, what he showed for the last 50, 60 games of last regular season, what he showed as a starter, there would have been a pretty compelling argument to say, all right, just let's just get him locked up. But I think because of that, there's probably been this gap in what Quickly's agents are asking for and, and what the Knicks front office is willing to give. The Knicks front office are saying, like, hey, like we still need to see him like prove it in the playoffs. Like mostly as a negotiation tactic. I, I think they probably believe in him. And Quickly's agents are like, come on, you, you know what he can do. One of the better defense defensive guards in the league, put up all-star numbers offensively in games he started. Like j- just give the guy his money. So I say all that to say, do you think an extension gets done before the season? And and what do you think the number looks like if it does? All, all the reporting seems suggest, to suggest that, that it will get done. In terms of the actual number, I, I think it can go like a lot of different ways just because I, I, I think that there's like politics in terms of like, do we want to make quickly like the highest paid Nick, even though like with the cap rising, it makes sense like financially, but there's also just the appearance of like, is he really going to get paid more than like a Brunson or a Randall or even RJ? Um, so I, I think that that number will come in below those three. Um, and I think that there's a chance that they probably, because now they can with the CBA where they give them like the fifth year. Um, so it's probably more money in total, but it's like less per year. Um, so I, if, if I had to guess, it's probably going to be something like around like 90, 80 mil. Um, maybe it touches 100, but I, I don't, I, I'm not too confident in that just because of the playoffs. And I think as a guy like quickly, you know, 25th overall pick, he'd be happy to like lock in a good amount of money. But obviously, as he should, he should fight for, you know, every dollar that, that he deserves, you know. Alrighty, next on Locked On Knicks, we are going to continue this conversation on Emmanuel quickly. Could he potentially be a trade piece, um, whether or not he is signed to an extension for the Knicks? And um, how can he continue to round out his game? Why his playmaking is really, really important to his continued development. Um, but before we do that, I want to tell you about our buddies over at FanDuel Sportsbook. You can snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel because they are America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I would suggest checking out their NFL lines this weekend. There's certainly some money to be made there. Um, but first, I got to tell you the easiest bit of money on the app, and that is the New York Knicks over underlined 44 and a half wins. Uh, the Knicks played at a 57 win pace after getting Josh Hart last year. So I would expect them to soar well above that 44 and a half number point of concern. Maybe we'll see if it actually plays out. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Yeah, I think I'm I'm almost a little higher. I think it's going to be somewhere four years between 90 and 100 million, and that's that's a wide sure. range. But I, I look at what Devin Vassell just got, and I I don't really see where he's done more in the NBA than Emmanuel quickly. And, and his contract pre incentives is 27 and a half million a year, and I think most people are in agreement that that's a ridiculously good deal. Granted, he he's a wing, quickly's a small guard. There's more value there, but quickly's at, at least so far, like not based on their college reputation, but what's happened in the NBA quickly has been a far, far better defender. And, and honestly, like probably a better offensive player. And I'll, I'll go back to those numbers as a starter, 23, five and five, 47, 40, 85 shooting in 21 games. And if, if I'm quickly, like I, to your point, like I, I like 
I think Fred Katz was talking about this on, on, on the Knicks Film School podcast. Like $100 million is $100 million. For a guy who's not starting for you, that is a it's just hard to turn down. Like if, if you see that number, you kind of say like, all right, disrespected, screw that. Like that is generational wealth. And I hear that. But I also hear if I'm if I'm Emmanuel quickly and I prove that like, hey, like I could put up numbers like that as a long term starter on a team. I am giving up maybe 30 to 40 percent of the income I could get down the road. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if it's a shorter contract, if it's if it's four years, maybe even if it's only three years. And he, he kind of takes his approve it deal and he and he tries to either on the Knicks or somewhere else eventually have a bigger role and eventually prove he's deserving of even more money. But I, I could certainly see him playing it safe and, and just taking what is in front of him. Um, but that brings up the question, is that a contract the Knicks are signing to have Emmanuel quickly on their team long-term or to have him as a trade ship? Like he, he just still feels, oh, and it pains me to say this because he's my favorite Nick, but it, it still feels like he is the guy, like when that star trade happens, like he, he's sort of the first name you write down him or RJ Barrett, like in terms of who is going to be going out in that kind of deal. Do you have that same feeling? Because I, I don't think that would be the right thing to do. But man, I just, I cannot help but think like he wants to be a starter long-term and it's just not going to happen in New York. Yeah, I think it's important to say first that whether it's for whatever contract, he, if he does get a contract, whatever he does end up getting, whether it's for a trade trip or to be on the next, it's going to be a good contract. I'm, I'm yeah. fairly confident in that. I, I don't think this is people, teams around the league or even the Knicks are going to like regret or, or look at that contract and say, yeah, we don't want to touch that. Um in terms of like when it comes to the star trade, his name is is obviously one of the ones that that are that's frequently pops up just because that much talent, that young, um, it's always going to be you know the center of a trade package. I, I still think that RJ is probably the likelier um, like center around the package just because it seems like the Knicks, especially based on what we know, uh, the reported names, they kind of want to upgrade the the wing room more so than I think the guard room. I think they kind of like the fit between like Brunson and Grimes and how they kind of complement each other, especially in the starting lineup. You know, it's well documented what they did after the starting lineup change. And I think if they look to see where they can upgrade, I think it's that small forward spot. I think they kind of want a guy who's around that six, eight kind of height. So I, I think RJ is the guy that they kind of want to upgrade. But at the same time, it, it wouldn't shock me if quickly is the one that they, they do end up moving. I personally would go RJ over quickly just because I think that quickly can slot in a lot easier alongside Brunson, alongside whoever the, the, that star trade is in the future. Um, but I also think the things that quickly does, like the role player things, are just insanely valuable when you have your top guys already. And I think RJ kind of has struggled to find consistency in doing those role player things through his first uh, four seasons in the NBA. All right, so let me – I can guess your answer based on, on what you just said, but do you think the Knicks are not giving enough credence to the idea of starting Emmanuel quickly? And this this is in some ways an idiotic question because I, I just don't really see pending like a long-term injury to RJ, and, and even then I, I think you, you'd pretty immediately slot Hart into the starting lineup. Like I don't see any world where this ever happens long-term, um, but I think that is stupid because I think Emmanuel quickly is like – by a pretty healthy margin, and you can you can make a case for Mitchell Robinson based on what he did in the playoffs, maybe even based on what he did in the regular season. But I think by a pretty healthy margin, Emmanuel quickly was the Knicks' third best player in the regular season last year. And the numbers with him and Jalen Brunson bore that out in a really big way. In the regular season, when, when they were on the floor together, the um, they, they had a plus 12.1 net rating. That was um, a 98th percentile of any two-man combo in the NBA, according to Clean the Glass. The offense scored 122.9 points per 100 possessions. That was 97th percentile in the league. The defense scored 110.8 points per 100 possessions, 87th percent, or allowed, excuse me, 110 points 
per 100 possessions, 87th percentile in the league. In the playoffs, despite quickly shooting being terrible, uh, they were even better. They were plus 20.5 with them on the court. The defense was in, was in the 100th percentile. The offense was in the 87th percentile. So there's there's some pretty significant evidence that shows that not only do those lineups work, they're some of the best lineups in all of basketball. And yet, I, I don't think I, I think Tibbs, as, as we know, fetishizes size to an extent. He's a l- little bit of a size queen um, to the extent that, like, I don't think that is ever going to happen. Even though he's acknowledged that those metrics are important to him, and, and he'll finish games with those lineups, and, and maybe that's what matters. But I don't think he'll start games with those lineups, and. For some, I, I think because of DiVincenzo coming in, that's a little bit more significant this year because every one of those guys' minutes is going to be more at a premium. But how, how do you feel about all that? Yeah, I, I just think that if we were ever going to see quickly start, we would have seen it in the past two seasons um, yeah. at some point. Um, last year, the starting lineup struggled at the, at the start in November. Um, if there was a time to you know kind of experiment there, we didn't see it. Um, everybody's well-documented the Alec Burke situation. When he started our point guard, we quickly never got a shot there. Um, I do think there's merit to it. I, I just think that, especially with the numbers that Tibbs himself recited, recite, recited <laughs> um, with Evan Fournier and uh, being out of the lineup and then Grimes coming in, I just think that Grimes is always going to have that two spot. Um, and then, as you mentioned, I think Tibbs really likes size. Uh, that's why he started hard over Grimes in that heat series for a little bit there. Um, so I, I just think that if RJ was the one in theory to come off the bench for quickly. It would be it would be Hart that's coming into the starting lineup. Um, so I just I think that there's an argument for it, but I just don't think that it's one that is is going to be heard <laughs> by by the the man in charge. All right, so so I I'm with you. I I, I think it's a pipe dream. Yeah. Um, but do you think Quickly's minutes go down overall this year? Obviously, with Dante Divincenzo coming in, there, there's a glut. Like he's he's not going to play Obi Toppin's minutes. He's he's presumably going to get at least 20 a game, maybe 18 would be like the bare, bare minimum. I see him getting, and all of a sudden you're saying, all right, you want Quinn. I'm, I'm sure like me, you want Quinn Grimes out there getting more shots and having more of a substantial role. I don't think RJ Barrett coming off what he did for team Canada says, you know what? I think I'm going to take a step back this year, a little less shots, a little less minutes. I'm 23 years old. I'm ready. I'm ready to take the foot off the pedal a little bit. Julius Randall coming off of an all NBA performance. I don't think he, not, not that his minutes affect these guys, but I don't think he sees himself having a smaller role. Jalen Brunson. I think he's going to be gunning for an all NBA team. Going to be gunning for a top five finish in MVP this year. And, and someone's minutes have to go down. Could it be Emmanuel Quickly's, despite the fact that, as, as we noted, he is probably the single like most impactful player on this team in terms of his on-off numbers and, and, and one of their three best players, I would argue. I think there's a chance. Uh, it's definitely, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of good rotation players in the Knicks rotation right now. So I, I think it's just going to fluctuate. I think it's, the Knicks have put themselves in a position where whoever's playing well can be the, be the guys that are getting the bulk of the minutes that night. Um, and I think that, you know, injuries are very real. You know, guys will get banged up, guys will miss games, um, and, and that'll be time for him to get, you know, a bulk of the playing time then. Um, but when when all guys are healthy, he's probably going to see like a, a minor dip. But I, I think that, especially after last season, the regular season, I think Tibbs kind of really saw the value in what quickly brings. So I, I don't expect like this steep drop or like concern, like why is he only playing like 10, 15 minutes a game? I don't think it'll be that dramatic. Um, but I do think that, you might see him in the lower 20s, maybe mid 20s, because I think he was at around like 28 ish off the top of my head. Um, so I, I, I think there, there's a chance that it dips a little bit. Um, but I'm not too concerned that like this is some dramatic shift in, in his playing time will come. 
Yeah, he played uh, 28.9 minutes per game last year. So you're, you're, you're right on it. I'm, I'm with you. And I think that might be a mistake. I, I think he has gotten to a point where he should be, honestly, like it really, it, it, it used to be RJ and then RJ kind of got pulled from this. It was only Randall and Brunson who were basically, no matter how you're playing, no matter how you're shooting, um, you're going to be playing this amount of minutes. And even occasionally, yeah. like I remember that one Cavs game, he, he benched Brunson down the stretch of the fourth quarter because quickly was outperforming him. Um, so that, that's even plausible. But I, I, I think he should be hitting probably that 29-minute-per-game mark essentially every night, almost regardless of how he's shooting. I understand why he wouldn't. But I, I think if there's any kind of jump in his game, and I, I think we, we probably, given his work ethic, we both expect him to be a better player this year. I, I just can't imagine him um, warranting less than that. But that being said, um, what do you think his his role is on on, on this year's team? And and I, I guess really what I'm asking is like like what do you think he adds to his skill set? Because last season, 74% of his minutes came at the two playing next to Brunson. And we saw most of his point guard numbers go down. Um, his assist rate dropped from above average the year before to pretty poor last season. He was much better attacking the rim, but or much better finishing at the rim, but kind of attacked at the same frequency. Like stylistically, do you see him tilting his game in certain directions that um, weren't really there last season or, or just leaning like a couple of degrees over one way or another, like on, on either side of the ball? Yeah, I think well, the one thing that I've been kind of wanting from him, especially since his rookie year, um, is to kind of get back to being aggressive with those three-pointers, pulling up on those three-pointers. If, if you remember at the beginning of last season, he was kind of hesitant to shoot for a little bit. Yeah. And then once he started letting it fly, that's when he really kind of took off and his season took off. And then in turn, the Knicks kind of did too. Um, so I, I want to see that come come back. I, I want to see his, he kind of, he kind of like learned a conscious, a conscience. So I kind of wanted to get rid of that um, in a sense. But I, I do think that um, there, there are some questions about how good of an on-ball creator can he be? Um, if he was a starting guard, I think a lot, for whatever team, I think teams would be questioning kind of how good can we be with quickly as like a lead ball handler, which I think isn't really a fair question at the same time because so much of his value is that you can slot him alongside Jalen Brunson and, and, and dominate teams in, in, their, in those two minutes. So in the end, I kind of think that he's kind of just has to keep improving on the things he already has improved. Um, and, and I'm confident that he will. One of the biggest kind of one of the best ways to project improvement is to look at past improvement. And if you just look at who he was in college and who he was as a rookie, he, he's a significantly different player, a significantly better player. So I'm, I'm confident that he will continue to add to his game. He's showed signs of becoming like a three level scorer, um, especially when he was starting. So I, I can see him taking another leap this year. Um, even if his numbers, like like the box score numbers, don't really jump off the page, I think that, as you mentioned, like stylistically, we'll see we'll see more of a like well-rounded like offensive game from him. Yeah, I'm 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 with you. It, it's so funny because I remember his his rookie year. The big question was like, ah, oh, with his release, like, is he ever going to have any kind of a mid range? And then last year, he just he came out and was pulling out these like crazy turnaround jumpers at the elbow. It was was torturing um, opponents with it at times, and it was it was really exciting. You're like, all right, wow, like there's like there's not really anything you could take away from him. But to your point, some of his his three point volume suffered was only 61st percentile in terms of three point attempts. Um, his rim volume, I, I noted earlier, was really low. He was he's just 17% of his shots came at the rim. That was 16th percentile. For point guards in the NBA, that was despite the fact that he went from from a rookie year, fifty six percent shooting at the rim, to his third year, sixty seven percent shooting at the year. Like, like he was clearly like he was physically stronger. He was a better athlete. He had better touch around the rim. He had a better finishing package. I, I just want to see him take advantage of that and get to the basket more because he is such an explosive one on one player. And I think to your point, that could be linked 
to him having a willingness to come around a screen 27 feet away from the basket and, and, and pull up and, and maybe even have like, and, and the Knicks did do some stuff with this last year, but, but adding to it, like similar to, I, I think what we're probably all hoping at a Quentin Grimes, like having more of an off ball package for him, he's coming off the screen and getting the ball from Jalen Brunson, like in closing lineups, like having a two man game between him and Julius Randle, which we saw bits and pieces of, but not quite to the same extent that we saw from Evan Fournier, his first year in New York. And I think quickly, maybe, maybe not quite to the extent that Grimes is because Grimes shot is, is so difficult to block. And he's maybe even a tear up as a shooter than quickly, but um, like I wouldn't mind more of that. And I think that'll open up more and more passing reads for him. Cause I don't know about you. I don't see him ever being like, kind of like a savant level passer on his own, right. He's just a little bit too small and like kind of similar to Brunson, like doesn't quite have the aptitude for it at, at the elite elite NBA level. But I think the more he's shooting from deep, the more he's getting to the rim, the easier those reads are going to be. And even more minutes with instead of Obi Toppin out there, another shooter and Dante DiVincenzo. I, I just think the, the, those reads out of a pick and roll are going to be easier and easier for him compared to past seasons. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's if he was to take like a major leap, it'd probably come in the playmaking area. Um, I, that's probably one of the weaker points of his game. Um, but I, I do think that we we've seen that he still brings so much value. Like even if he even if he never improved again from his game, which I don't think will happen but even if he never did like he said he brings so much value in being able to kind of just plug and play plug him into any lineup the lineup dominates um the, the impact stats love him so in, in terms of him as a playmaker i'm i'm not too he doesn't need to be an elite playmaker to be a good offensive player or, or to be a good on-ball career and, and if he does get back to pulling up from 27 feet like you mentioned I, I think it just opens up so much not just for him but for his teammates so I, I'd like to see him like grow as a playmaker, but it's not something that I think essentially it holds him back from like hitting a level that we haven't seen from him before. Do you think he can be like a top 15 point guard on another team? Because I, I think that's the question that like I'm sure he believes that. I wonder how much his representation believes that because in terms of like, both this extension and like, even, even if the Knicks like say like, to your point, like we like our guard room, like every time this guy's on the floor, he's awesome. Like, like, like if you have a championship team and Emmanuel quickly's playing 25 minutes per game as a six man, like I, I, like, I mean, he showed it last year, but he's a championship level six man, but let's just say that he has aspirations for more than that. Like, I'm wondering if there's a world, like, I don't think this season, but either the next year or the year after that, where he's like, you know what? I want to be on a different team where I am playing 35 minutes per game. I am running 40 pick and maybe that's a big number, but 20 pick and rolls a night. Um, and, and the ball is in my hands in the big moment. Because as we know with Jalen Brunson here, he's never going to be that. And like, I, I, I'm sure he is always going to believe that. Is that realistic for him? Is that tenable? Is what we saw from him as a starter where he had performances like that Celtics game where you kind of, it kind of got your gears turned like, wait, is he, is he an all-star if he was just on another team? Like, do you think that's in there or, or do you think, to your point, like he kind of just is who he is, which is, is maybe the best six man in basketball and, and someone who on the margins is going to keep getting better and better and better at those things. If he were to hit his absolute ceiling, I, I think that's in play. Um, I don't think it's out of the realm of like, I don't think you're being like ridiculous having this conversation. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like crazy to me. I, I think that I think that in an ideal world where he's like a starting point guard for whatever team, I think that team kind of needs another creator though to kind of help you know fix help for his playmaking deficiencies that we just discussed i think like in an ideal world he's playing with like a jumbo creator like a yeah. i don't know like a Kawhi or like Luca, lebron yeah, yeah like one of those kind of yeah um 
but I think that's part of his value is that he can kind of slot in with those guys and, and accentuate what they bring while also bringing what he does and, and, and making it easier for other guys. So, I mean, top 15 is, is tough just because of how talented the league is, not because of him. But I think if he if he continues at the rate of improving that he is right now, like it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, it, it's it'll be I would love to see what he looked like if he had that shot that year with Alec Burks, just because I think we'd have so much of a clearer vision of what it what a team looks like when he's like at the helm and actually at the helm of, of like running the team night in and night out. So a lot of it is just like a guessing game. A lot of it is kind of projection. Um He's the kind of player where I just kind of don't bet against because everything, every, every question I've had about him, he's kind of answered year by year. So, I mean, top 15 is tough, but I'm not, I'm not against like the possibility of it happening. Those last five games of, of, of the 21-22 season will always sit in my mind where, where Obi was putting up 27 points per game. IQ was at like 24, 7, and 5. I was like, huh, what if – what if, what if this was just the Knicks and, and then they got Jalen Brunson and they got really, really good. And now we, we might, or at least with Obi, we'll never know as a Nick. Um, and, and with IQ, we, we may never know either. And I wonder, mm-hmm. I wonder if he's okay with that, but on that, on that somewhat ominous note, uh, Ariel Pacheco, one of the true joys to talk to at NBA media. Thank, thank you so much for your time, man. As always, um, before um, I let you go, can you tell everyone uh, where they can find all your great work? Yeah. So just follow me on Twitter at a Pacheco NBA. Anything I'm doing will always be on there. So yeah, just give me a follow on the, on the new X app. All right. Ariel Pacheco, uh, Nick season around the corner. You could check him out on Twitter. Um, as I noted earlier, like if, if you missed the game the night before, there's uh, no better place to go to uh, not only like see the highlights, but get an explanation of how and why they happened. And, and, and it's really cool because it's not just it's, it's team strategy, but it's also kind of the micro skills of each player that uh, make a play work. And I've, I've learned a lot about the game from him. Um, so I, I cannot recommend that follow enough. Again, it's a Pacheco NBA, but until next time, uh, this was locked on Knicks. We will talk to you all soon uh, with more player previews and, and thoughts on training game and some preseason games. Wow. It's all around the corner uh, next time. Um, watch.